his work? Yeah, he, he got a job. He works for um, art museums. Okay. He does education programs. Yeah. DC is a pretty good place for that. So, yeah, well, he got a job with the Smithsonian Contemporary. He was working here at the Guggenheim, then he got offered a uh, kind of nicer position there um, in DC with the Hirshhorn Museum, which is the contemporary art museum of the of the Smithsonian museums. And um, so he did that wet there and did a bunch of good work. I have a band that lives in all different states, so we don't really need to be in one place. Um, and uh, and and so yeah. Then he got offered a job at the Yale Art Gallery, an even better job, <laughs> so better position for him. It's so funny, you know. I was. I was... So we're going. We're gypsies. Uh, yeah, I was reading that you were in Connecticut, and, and it's just like the my first thought was like, oh, he's he's he settled down. You yeah, know, he's, he's, he's like living. He's living the. I mean, it, it's what New Haven is that right? New Haven. Okay. Yeah. How I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm from California originally. I don't know anything yeah, about so Connecticut. <laughs> so I've heard. What What's New Haven like? It's a college town. Yeah. Well, the part yeah. of the part of it is a college town, and, yeah. and I think we're inside that bubble. So it's reasonably hip and young yeah, and, yeah. There's, yeah. There's, there's, there's 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 a lot of stuff going on. There's music yeah. and record stores and bookstores and young people and you know a lot of students. They have their nose to the grind, but there's an art school there, yeah. and so you know it's it, it, it's pretty cool. I mean, you know I. I I haven't for years relied on any kind of local scene to 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 feed I don't know it's weird to say yeah. um especially since leaving after living in New York <laughs> you're kind of a citizen of the world and I lived in Berlin and London yeah. as well for a lot for a long time um and so like you know it was like in DC the music scene's very very flourishing you know, young people, and and the old, and then there's the old guard, the Discord Records, and and the, that, and a lot of world music. You know, it's very you know Chocolate City, Go Go music. Uh, so it, it's really varied, and there's a lot of venues and support, and music is a big thing there. But New Haven is much smaller, you know. And um, well, I was saying about about DC. I don't have much. I don't have any history with this, with the that scene or. I, you know, I've play, I've been playing there for years. You mentioned the Discord scene, and that was really kind of coming up a little bit after yeah. you. I was already an old coot, <laughs> an old okay. coot by then, an old curmudgeon. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> I was a junkie by then. No, and, uh, <laughs> so you weren't, you weren't hanging out in the straight edge scene? No, I was not much. over there, no. <laughs> Unfortunately yeah. not. Uh, but uh, but I did have friends. I I, I admired, you know, Ian Zvenonius from Nation of Ulysses Makeup, and uh, and now Chain and the Gang. He has been a long time friend of mine, and you know, a, a long time. Uh, yeah, he was the person I talked to almost every day when I I was in D.C. because you know he's a kook. And um, was it like a lifeline almost? Almost like a lifeline. I know him and the people from the Makeup. I was pretty tight with them. And, um, and Michelle May and, and himself and James Canty. And, um, and and so, yeah, so he, you know, and he travels, has toured forever and travels everywhere. So it's a, it's a, that's a whole life that's very different than just a, any kind of local life, you know. Um, it's just our job in one way, 
but it's also it puts your head in a strange, strange place sometimes. It seems like a place like DC, you know, where everything is so built around the Beltway that like you you almost have to kind of go out of your way to find the other weirdos, you know, to keep a, yeah. to keep a sense of sanity. Yeah, you do, and um, that's the thing that like in the. Uh, it's like, oh, there's no real freaks in DC, yeah. but I found them. <laughs> I found the ones that are there, yeah. and um, and then all you had to do was go a half hour to Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, had, for sure. You had as many freaks as sure. you wanted. That's John. That's John Waters town. <laughs> yeah, John <laughs> Waters, uh, the um, Outsider Art Museum. You know, and and it's a it's a great great town, great art town, a great. They have great film festivals, but you know, so DC for me, DC. I didn't. I didn't come with that. When I left, I didn't feel like, oh, DC. I miss up the people. Sure, but I, I didn't really. Feel you don't feel homesick for DC? It. Not really. No. I mean, I love going there now because I know I know so many people and I know the town very well. But um, I don't know. I'm always. I've always been a, quite a loner. Anyway, you know, and in all the bands I've been in, I've been kind of loner bands that aren't really connected to yes. other bands. You know. We had friends, of course, <laughs> and like-minded people, yeah. but um, there was never, you know, the, the gun club or the cramps. It was never quite a, a scene that they were part of. There were just always things that were out on their own. I got this feeling that once you spotted, like, the cramps, for example, that, you mm-hmm. know, the first time you saw them, it was like, oh, yeah, I this is, I've obviously found kindred spirits exactly. in these weirdos. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people felt that way. Yeah. Just, after one song of yeah. seeing them, it's like that's so funny. This is this is who yeah. This is who we want to be with, or this is who who we want to be. <laughs> Listening to them, you know, and and they were and you were obviously a band that kind of very much that didn't shy away from their influences. You know, a lot no. of uh, and that was that was that seemed like such a kind of a big defining factor of punk is let's kind of burn it all down. Yeah, yeah. and. No you know more, they were no more Elvis Beatles. Yeah, Stones, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they were covering, you know, g- Green Fuzz and all these like garage rock bands. So it must have been ha- ha- those bands having been so formative to to you early on to see a band really kind of channel that music. Yeah, I mean, I was already really interested in, in '60s music, '60s psychedelic music, and rockabilly collect, you know, record collecting, and um, and um, but so when I saw them, it was it was. Because now it it's, doesn't seem so strange, yeah. but then you never ever saw a band that mixed psychedelic music with rockabilly. Yeah. It was just out of this world, and just their whole very um, frenetic um, visual and 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 the experience, you know, of, of their concerts were absolutely electric. Like you know, people were screaming. And they were, you know, they, they were, were barely known, and yeah. they, were, yeah, they yeah. were immediately, they were like just, yeah, conceived to be that, and they, they weren't instantly. You weren't a musician when you first started in no, a band. No, that, I thought I would be a podcaster I, I thought, I thought, <laughs> before the word even existed. <laughs> yes, exactly. I thought maybe I would be a journalist. Yeah. I was already writing for fanzines, and I had run a Ramones fan club, and and oh, uh, really, and yeah, early on, it was just a, a self-made. Yeah fanzine you know uh thing it wasn't a, a big wide readership but it was uh but it was it was influential i'm still friends with so many of the people from that time and as a matter of fact someone just put a picture of me and linda ramon from 1978 yeah. somewhere down the street on second avenue on, on on instagram it's quite funny that we talk about it now but um 
Um, well, at what point did the, the Ramones really enter your radar? Oh, wow, uh, that's okay. Then we go back. Sure. Uh, you know, actually, it's like we go way back. Yeah. It was probably about two years before. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny how time passes when you're that oh, young, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how important two years are. Um, yeah, I think, oh, that was in some, some other time. Yeah. Um, but the, um, well, the Ramones came, you know, I, I had known Patti Smith already. That kind of had rocked our world, yeah. me and my friends world and the people we know our little tribe but and then the ramones record came out and that kind of blew everything again there was just nothing that sounded like that it just came out of like who knows where that came from you know it was just a a a genius it was genius you know because it wasn't you know we knew other new york dolls and we knew the stooges you know we knew funhouse and and, and the New York Dolls records, but this like was miles stranger. Yeah, I actually I just recently um, unearthed a bunch of because talking about journalism, I yeah. thought I'd be a journalist. Yeah. Maybe I found a bunch of I was I was the rock critic at my high school newspaper in La Puente, California, the Bassett Bassett High School, the Bassett Olympians, and um, I wrote a review of the Ramones' first album. I wrote, like, lots... I did all my... I was going to concerts and stuff. I was a very tenacious young person. I was out going to glam rock. I was going to Rodney Bing and Heimer's English Disco when I was, like, 15. 15, Yeah. Yeah. So I was, like, sneaking out of windows and getting on buses and stuff and and traipsing into Hollywood Um, in platform shoes and satin You were living the glam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't dream it, be it. And then uh, the, but but the but um, yeah we we had heard all these all these bands but the Ramones just like wiped out everything mm-hmm. they just cleaned the slate, yeah. period and you know, and and it was just very revolutionary at the time and and uh, and you know it was coming out of a thing like Detroit rock you know there was there was hard rock that. Me and my friends liked it was the precursor to punk, maybe coming out of glam, the dirtier glam stuff. The dolls, and yeah, the, and yeah. the dolls, of course, were a big bridge, yeah. and the Stooges, you know, mostly MC5. Um, but, um, but, but the Ramones, yeah, and everyone recognized it as hmm. a pure rock and roll and a pure thing and something new, and some, and it was a language that spoke. To to be to us, you know, a certain group of people, you know, who at that time there wasn't really even punk rock. There was just a disparate. There was like you know glam hangover kids, and there was still a lot of uh, patchwork jean bell bottoms going around and shag hairdos, and there was like old hippie professors and just all kinds of people. It was it looked like a scene out of a mad magazine yeah. crowd scene of like people like just like you know with their eyes bugging out and tongues hanging out yeah. and, and stuff. That's what a Ramones concert <laughs> they had the comics that were like that, but it actually was really like that. Um and 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 it really um it really uh instantaneously created a community of people it was Hmm. like finally oh we found our tribe you know and and we are we all have something we're very excited about and it's our secret but you know we wanted it to be we we thought it would be just giant we thought it would be like the next 
Osmond Brothers or something. You thought everybody yeah. would see in this band. Yeah, what you were this I mean, band. I, it's funny. I'm, I'm very clear about this because I'm actually writing a memoir right now. I'm at the very end. But, uh, I got you at the exact right time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we won't talk too much about it because who knows when it will come out. But uh, I've got it's going to come out though because the publisher's there, the layout person, and you've said it on a podcast, so now it has to. It come has out. to come out. <laughs> Damn. You're, you're legally obligated I know. to bring oh, it out. I've been waffling on about it for like, ten years, but yeah, I remember like going and waiting for the music plus store to open because yeah. I had called ahead saying are you going to have it are you going to have it on the day it's released the first Ramones album and they're like yes we ordered it it's going to come in it'll come in on this day so I waited I just thought there would be like a line down the block of people waiting sure. and of course yeah. I was the only yeah. person waiting yeah. but I talked to all my other friends we you know we all called each other and wrote letters and, and, and they uh and they said, we did the same thing, and we were the only person there. Were there other like-minded people in high school, or was this really kind of a, a more nebulous scene? It was It was more uh, nebulous and spread. We yeah. kind of all congregated at shows, usually in Hollywood yeah. or different areas. Um, I had one friend in, in high school, my friend Pester, she, um, who's a, still a friend of mine today. Good name. Yes, exactly. Uh, and we were the Ramones fanatics. Yeah. But then, like, one suburb over, Jeffrey Lee Pierce was mm, mm-hmm. living. I didn't know him at the time, but yeah. soon after I met him. Uh, and Paula Pierce from the Pandoras. And, uh, and uh, yeah, there was just, all, you know, people, we all met up. And, uh, you know, and, and it was like a true music freak cause for celebration, and and, and and like that's why I started the fanzine because I, I wanted to, uh, you know, keep in contact with everyone and keep everyone wanted to keep up to date. Whatever you find out, let us know and we'll let everyone else know. And, um, you know, and the record company, Sire Records, saw a good thing with some, you know, kids yeah. that are willing to like go the extra mile. Un- unpaid labor. For free, yes. Yeah. Yes, before the word intern showed up. But, you know, we were, yeah, we were just kids. We were like 15, 16, yeah. 16 years old. Um, seven, sixteen, seventeen, and um, and they let us, you know, come to. The, I remember their publicist, a woman named Sue Sawyer in Los Angeles, was like invite me over to do go listening to the second Ramones album wow. listening party. She'd let us use their their photocopy machine to make our fanzines and and give us envelopes and office supplies. It's and, it's so funny when 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 you're at that age and you have you know that like just any kind of recognition like that or any kind of success it must you must have felt like okay well this is it you know yeah. like, this, is, this is this is the beginning and it's just kind of gonna yeah. be smooth sailing from here yeah well no you weren't even thinking that far <laughs> you weren't even thinking yeah. you were just but you excited. felt like you had made it in yeah, some yeah, shape. yeah 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 yeah. Uh, well, you always feel like you've made it. <laughs> every time, you, every time you knew the next thing, yeah. it's like now I've made it. Sure. And then you're like, oh, that's yeah. it. <laughs> this no. is it. But the Ramones thing, yeah. you know, it had a, a little bit of a shelf. Like not the Ramones, but yeah. the, the whole fan sure. thing. I became, you know, more interested in things. And then I started being in a group. The logical next step was, yeah. you know, I was really. What I learned from writing this book is I've always just put myself right there, boom, boom. Yeah. Like I was not shy. I was like very forward. And I was like, I'm going to go stand here with the Ramones. And, and, you know, but they were cool. I mean, that was also a revelation that, you know, 
a band would play and we'd be like, oh my God, this amazing rock star band. And then after the show, they just walk into the audience and say like, hey, where, where's the thrift stores or where's a record store yeah. or a comic store? And can you take us there? <laughs> you know, that was unheard of at that time too. You know, it really, before rock stars were untouchable. They were in the VIP booth, in the limousine with the dark windows. And, you know, you could wait backstage and, you know, wave your autograph book at them and maybe get an autograph of them behind their sunglasses. But, like, you know, when the Ramones or Blondie or there was a band from New York who came to L.A. early, the Mumps, um, when they came, it was, like, completely accessible. Yeah. They were just part of yeah. whoever you were. And, and, that, and that, in a way, that, that must embolden you as far as going out and making music right versus oh, yeah. you know if you're only familiar with references the who it, it's, it's hard to imagine that you could ever possibly do that but but yeah, getting up yeah. to that that <laughs> level to the you know the level of the ramones at the time must have seemed that much more accessible yeah it was a, a, a attainable um you know and, and 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 so when we when a few years later when jeffrey Lee pierce of the gun club yeah you know said like we're going to be in a band together. <laughs> I was like, all right, whatever. And, um, and, and then he, and he, he said, here's a guitar. Oh, and here's a Bo Diddley record. This song has one chord. Just yeah. keep playing that one. Yeah. You know? And, um, but we started making some noise, but you know, we, we didn't, yeah, we didn't, we didn't think that we wouldn't make good music. That was the thing, you but, know? But, but, but if if my timeline is is right, when you actually do join up with the Cramps, I mean, the Gun Club isn't even quite the Gun Club at that point. Well, we were we were we were we, it was it was formed, yeah, and they shortly after made the first album. Um, but um, but yeah, we were we were playing out. You know, we were playing out to ten people. Yeah, you know, counting the girlfriends, <laughs> you know, and the dog. Um, but. Uh, and there was a small audience, a little tiny, the tiniest of buzz. Um, but it was also a, a weird band for people. Yeah. Like the Roots people, like, you know, the Blasters sure. or the Rockabilly people. Yeah. They saw something there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was far too sloppy and yeah. arty. You know, we were coming from a different thing. And, and you know, luckily the Cramps had kind of opened up that hmm. that roots music could be twisted, you know. And the punk, you know, there was definitely, you know, the person who gave the Gun Club their name was Keith Keith Morris of oh. uh, of the Circle Jerks yeah. now Black off Flag and Black and, Flag yeah. and off. So you know, him and Jeffrey were very good friends, and um, he's the one who suggested we call ourselves the Gun Club, um, and he gave us one of our first ever gigs. Yeah. But we played for their hardcore yeah. audience yeah. and they just didn't want to know about it at all. <laughs> we were too arty for punks. We were too punk for the art crowd and we were too modern for the old roots crowd. So it was kind of like, it was kind of a, a little bit of a, a strange thing. And that's what I'm, I'm saying. Like we were a loner band. We, yeah. There was a few bands that, you know, the flesh eaters or, or, um, Maybe this band, the Urinals, who were around then, um, but also with these, but these weren't. We weren't like part of the hip, hmm. you know, the X, the Blasters, yeah, the Weirdos, or you know, the Bags. You know, we were, we were definitely off on the side, and stuff didn't really happen for the Gun Club till the record came out. So when I joined the Cramps, I think within a year, the Gun Club recorded their album. Yeah. 
So those songs were there. It was a completely foreign, but there was no success and no reason to think success would happen. <laughs> was this idea of success or at least the fact that, you know, the Cramps were kind of more of a fully formed band, was that part of the reason why you made the transition? Oh, well, I didn't make the transition. <laughs> I just jumped in. But that, that was it. I mean, we were big Cramps fans, you know, from yeah. before having a band, during having a band. And um, again, and we had met, I had met them and we had met them. And I used to go between New York and L.A. a mm. lot. And, um, you know, I was just such a music fanatic. I just, I just thought I'm not being left out of this New York <laughs> scene, you know. And so... Um, but I came and, and got to, you know, know people and, and, you know, and everyone knew each other. So I got to know the Cramps then. I was friends with Brian Gregory. We tripped a lot and uh, <laughs> took a lot of acid and, um, and hung out. And, and you know, and, and, and so when um, they were looking for a new person. And then after all of that, after my acid trip with the Cramps... <laughs> I went back to L.A. and we started to band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, like how do you go back from something like that? Know, you know, exactly. You've already like crossed the Rubicon <laughs> at that point. Um, my friends, uh, uh, Christian Hoffman from the Mumps and his his partner, um, Bradley Field, who was the band Teenage Jesus and the Jerks oh, with well, Lydia yeah. Lunch. So they, they were like, you remember this kid and he has a band now and he – you should go see them. You know, he should be in your, you know, they were like, we don't, you know, they were looking for someone after Brian left. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and they were saying, go see this guy, go see this guy, go see this guy. And, um, so they, they came to see the gun club and, um, luck showed up with his tape recorder and, um, and, uh, soon after, yeah, they just called me and said like, come be in our band. And, I went to Jeffrey saying, oh, my God, the Cramps asked me to be in their band. What do I do? And he said, like, you should do it yeah. because <laughs> they're huge rock stars yeah, playing yeah. to 10 people, yeah. you know. And um, he's like, I would do it in one second. Yeah. He's like, please do it and get us gigs, <laughs> which we did. What do you think Lux saw in you at that point? Because you were still – it sounds like you were still really raw and, and you were still – very much. Oh, I've been playing for one year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what? One finger. So so uh, you know somebody says go see this kid and he sees you and he likes you enough to ask you to join the band. Yeah, I think I think it was a, probably a combination of things. I mean, look. Yeah. Is one thing style. Yeah. Uh, um, and also the music we were playing. I think they saw that it was. It was your kindred true spirits. Kindred spirits. It yeah. was true music. It was, you know. It was probably more disjointed due to lack of knowing how to play than sure. it was than it was willful. Yeah, but also there was a uh, you know I was very influenced by Brian Gregory from the Cramps and uh, like people like Pat Place from the Contortions and Bush Tetras and yeah. and uh, Lydia Lunch and people and you know the Contortions and the whole No Wave thing yeah. was very sort of art. Yeah. yeah, well, it was just the expression. It yeah. was pure expression. And it wasn't really about playing licks. It was it was about painting a picture and about making a feeling happen. And um, and and so that's what I was kind of yeah. going for and uh, mixing that with Bo Diddley, <laughs> one one chord Bo Diddley, and um, and and so you know, and then the Gun Club started out. We tried lots of different tacks, like we 
we were like doing trying to do soul songs we were trying <laughs> to do reggae songs we were you know we were just like throwing stuff out yeah. there you know blues and you know but more the blues kind of more seemed to be the best form sure. for us and um it made the most sense you know and i cuz i played it was playing an open tuning it was slide guitar and you know it made it made absolute most sense so when the cramps asked me to play i was horrified you know terrified i was like i re- yeah i really don't know how to play <laughs> you know but then if i listened to their music and i thought this is going to be so difficult yeah all those three chords in every song um you know how am i going to remember three yeah. chords you know, um but um but i i took it you know i i just you know had trial by fire and they believed in me, you know. This is the whole thing. Jeffrey was like, you can play guitar. Of course you can play guitar. You're great. You can play guitar. Yeah. He, and I was like, oh, I'm great. I can play guitar. <laughs> I'm, I should be able to if he says so. And that was the same with the cramps. They were like, oh, don't worry. You're going to fit in. You're gonna, it's going to work. Don't worry. You know, they didn't, you know, they were, I was like, do you want me to audition? Do you want me to? And they said, no. They said, just have a few questions like what would you sacrifice to be in the cramps and i said what like quit my band or relocate or i was in college quit school like you know uh what would that be they went like no i mean like would you cut a finger off and i said i probably would but i wouldn't be able to play and i said well your willingness is enough. <laughs> at, what, at what point does the uh, does that the imposter syndrome go away, or does it ever? <laughs> oh, it never goes away. <laughs> Jeez, I think it keeps you going. Mm-hmm. You know, always have to prove yourself. Uh, uh, the imposter syndrome w- goes away the minute you step on stage. Really? You know, once you're playing music, you know. But I do have it every time. It's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing because every time I'm going to do something new, especially if I'm going to collaborate with someone. I admire. Yeah. I'm like, again, I'm just the same terrified I was the first time. Like, oh my God, you know, I'm going to, this is the real person. But then I thought, oh, I, f- I forgot. I've been making records for f- yeah. 30 years. Yeah. I was in Nick Cave band. <laughs> yeah, I think exactly. I could probably yeah. deal with anybody at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can deal with any of those people <laughs> I have worked with. When you say it goes away when you go on stage, I mean, what, what does that mean? Do you, do you just get out of your head? Yeah, it becomes it becomes your natural self. Yeah, you know, I think ner. I mean, I'm just a nervous character. Yeah, but the nerves As, go away when you get out there. Yeah, usually. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have your job to do. Yeah. Hopefully, you know your part and uh, yeah, and your part in in the thing, and and also, well, that's the good thing about playing with a group too, is that there's a whole. Yeah. It's a whole organism, of of people, and and it's all the parts that make the whole thing work. So, you know, you just slot. I mean, for me, yeah, I, I just feel the most natural. That's my most natural hmm. state, I think, is is uh, playing. It's always so bizarre to me that something, you know, that a band can kind of be built around, a, a, you know, a look, you know, and, and, but can still produce such good art at the, like how does that how does that happen how does how, how do you how do you build a band around an aesthetic and then like just actually really good music comes out of that i think um i think it's all aesthetic yeah and i think um but obviously visual and musical are oh yeah I, i'm definitely a big fan i mean i come from 
loving, and you could ask the cramps, um, you could ask poison ivy, or you could ask Nick Cave, I'm sure, you know, that when we grew up, bands were, their image was what caught you. Sure. It really conveyed an attitude, and and also, when I grew up, the audience always was as dressed up as the band was. Yeah. You know, that's something I miss, you know, sometimes. Yeah. that you would go to the New York Dolls concert yeah. and everyone was in the New York Dolls. The yeah. whole audience yeah. was. The yeah. entire audience was, you know, and beyond. And um, so it was all a big, you know, sounds a little Grateful Dead-like. But, um, <laughs> but it's, you know, but it was part of the whole experience. Yeah. And and um, always. And so, so to me, you know, the look is definitely says a lot hmm. and we can, can can say a lot about what you are doing with music whether it's humorous or or serious or um, or you're trying to be whatever more noirish or you know it's an aesthetic an aesthetic that you want people to know yeah about you know so um, you know for, like, for instance the cramps you know that's very Slick, very taken from something like early Bo Diddley and Lady Bo, which is like tight things, or Duranettes, tight. You know, it's all tight and sleek, and that's what they wanted to be, like razor sharp, you know. It's always the best way, isn't it? Um, and also the same thing with the bad seeds, you know. It was, it's a, the whole thing with the suits and, and, and things. They're yeah. still wearing suits. Um, and, um, you know, but that's also creating a a uh, part of the whole world, you yeah. Know? And, and and you should be. It's part of the language of their music. Is also the visual look of it, and um, and and that's the uh, really the the goal. I think a lot of the uh, the the goal is creating the whole world. And creating the whole experience and creating and it's giving weight to what your music is, you know, other than just, you know, strumming on a guitar or whatever. And um and it and it's it's creating the the a language yeah. between you and people. And uh, and it's and, and, and it's it's like a cat marking their territory. You know, you mark your ground, you know, you, you stake your claim. Yeah. And, um, and you know, people change it all the time, and sometimes that's their claim is change again all the time. And other people, um, you know, stay the same, and that's it. The Ramones, yeah. for example, you know. When did you not see them in jeans and a leather sure, jacket? Never. Sure, So So it's it's a part of it. I think it's a very, very, very you know important part of the experience of 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 communication yeah. between you and the world at large you know you've maybe had more of an opportunity to evolve your own aesthetic though you know based on the fact that you've been with all these different groups mm-hmm. if you're just the cramps your entire career you don't really get to change well, as, as much yeah. <laughs> but i get to do whatever yeah, I, exactly. I want <laughs> damn it um yeah i mean I'm a creature of whim sometimes, yeah. and also, uh, you know, and I've, I've, you know, I've had so many haircuts I can't imagine, 
It was funny. I was reading an interview, and it might have been around the Ramones or something. You said, you know, the first thing I did was chop all my hair off. Yes. (laughs) Like, like that was, that to you, like, that was you, like, marking your line in the sand. Like, this is the new me. The hair is coming off. Exactly. So that was it. Like I said, that that created my whole uh, image, you know, was my my war paint, you know. Um, And that was, you know, it's the same for a lot of people. As I sit here with a sweatshirt and sneakers on is part of jumping around for you and, and having worked with so many different groups is that a restlessness on your part it's part restlessness and i think it was it's all part of um me having to end up being me <laughs> and do my own music yeah. and do my own things for me that all of those groups were from the gun club you know i mean the gun club was most because I started it with Jeffrey, it was most part of my vision yeah. as well as Jeffrey's. You know, he took over and and I rejoined. You know, and and you know, saw him to the end. Um, but uh, and so I felt I feel I felt the most part of that. Sure. But the Cramps, I was definitely in Lux and Ivy's yeah. in, in their vision. Yeah, it was their vision. You know, I was I was I'm very thankful and happy yeah. to have been a part of it and i learned a lot these are these are my my universities yeah, yeah. No. the cramps university and, <laughs> and, and nick cave you well, you're talking about three very strong characters yes so the um so it was it was yeah i just was learning the whole time you know and i was i was very into throwing myself into you know a challenging yourself you know because the Gun Club to the Cramps. I mean, that was just more like going from grade school to yeah. college straight away, you know, because the Cramps were already recording records and playing concerts around the world. It was like Farm League. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so it went up. By, and then I rejoined the Gun Club after that. Um, and, um, and simultaneously... Uh, Joined the Bad Seeds. I just joined them for one tour to fill in, and ended up there for three years and moving to Berlin, and yeah. you know, and three albums or whatever. So um, that just happened, just that way, you know. Um, and um, but but for me, the uh, the the Bad Seeds was really a leap somewhere else for hmm. me because you know. Uh, Gun Club and the Cramps, you know, that's rock and roll. That's yeah. Twelve Bar Blues, Kin- Kindred Spirits, is and it's about. yeah. And I felt very yeah. Kindred Spirit with with Nick Cave and the Bats. It's the birthday yeah. party I had seen, and you know, and I knew Mick Harvey, and I knew Nick um, as well from when they, Nick spent time in Los Angeles and uh, and hung out, and you know, we were just in the same yeah world in circles. So you know, we all knew each other, and so you know, they asked me to fill in for one tour and I went a minute I went to Berlin for rehearsals I was like I want to live here <laughs> I was like this is yeah I had been in London for two years yeah. which um was great and I had great friends and, and it's a cool music town but it was a little too much of music industry mm. town where uh, you're constantly bombarded with the newest flavor the flavor of the month yeah flavor of the year and you know, it's constantly it's shift, like a rat shifting. Race yeah, yeah. And, uh, at that time there was three major music papers and yeah. two or three TV shows a week, and and you know, just all kinds of you know, 
bombardment of pop culture, pop music culture. And um, so when I went to Berlin, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, I, I, I can undo my tie and, and breathe a little bit. And, you know, and these people are here doing really great things with no commercial agenda. And so to me, uh, you know, I liked the commercial agenda because it was something, mm-hmm. you know, I li- I love pop culture. But um but but to playing with the bad seeds, I, you know, when I just went to Berlin and I thought, oh yeah, and that was at the time that Berlin was still West Berlin. Yeah. So the wall was still up, so you were just really isolated. But to me what happened there was I saw that all of the all of the arts, like visual art, uh, dance, filmmaking, everything, people all hung together hmm. and and traded uh, wares, you know, and, you know, were involved. That's how I think, um, you know, Nick Cave ended up in the Vim Vendors and Crime in the City Solution ended up, you know, um, in, in Wings of Desire. Or, you know, it was just, that was so Berlin. Yeah. You know, that, that, that whole... Um, that film is just so Berlin, you know, and, you know, circus performer, the rock band, the bombed out buildings, the Columbo. <laughs> and, uh, and it, um, it, 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 and then, so, you know, it was just so incredibly appealing to yeah. me and like nothing I had known. And also the music of the Bad Seeds was, you know, they were still in their Berlin quite experimental phase and um, and playing, you know, I had known Blixa. I had met Blixa when Neubauten came to California. And he had these really, really smelly gum boots on, the rubber boots, rain boots that he wore like every day. And I had to, I gave him a pack of socks. Because <laughs> I said, your feet really smell really bad. And I gave him socks. And then, and and he's years later. I read an interview. He said, "I met Kid Congo Powers, and he gave me socks." <laughs> and um, so, so playing with Blixa was great, you know. And um, and you know, I, and again, it was more learning. And it was learning to play music that was more piano led. Mm. Nick was running a lot yeah. of it on the piano, um, a lot more vocal led, uh, and a lot of you know. It, and these musicians are great, amazing players. I mean, Mick Harvey can play everything. You know, we often would, would say, "What are you going to do? Go to the studio and watch Mick Harvey play everything." <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know, Thomas Fiedler, uh, Roland Wolf, um, sadly not with us anymore, the piano player at the time. Uh, and it was a great, great, amazing band, and, and the whole atmosphere of Berlin was. Yeah, still really, really something. I only started going to Berlin in the last six or seven years. Obviously, yeah. it's a very different place, and and I, and I think about in a about, way, in a way, not. I've only been there as an outsider. I've only been there, you know, a yeah. week, a week or so at a time. And I'm, um, I certainly understand the appeal of it as a as a cultural city, and mm. and you know the fact that I think maybe more so than anywhere else in the world, you're really just right in the middle of history. Is, but I, I've always had a little bit of trouble kind of figuring out what that the draw is as far as you know like you think about like bowie and lou reed right you know right before you yeah. what is it what is it that keeps bringing these 
English speaking bands. Yeah. Why is why is that such a, a kind of a mecca for all of these these great artists? I think a certain artistic freedom. Yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, I don't know anymore, but it was very affordable. Yeah. It's still relative as it's far as rel- like major cities compared go. To, yeah. Compared to yeah, major city more other major cities. Yeah, but it was very affordable. Again, you felt like the pop world was not looking at you. Yeah. You know, the pop machine was not yeah. there. So you could take kind of you take could your take time your time. You and... could take your time. You could be experimental. Yeah. Um you know you know you could walk around, you could take a lot of drugs and be sloppy <laughs> and no one's yeah trying to throw you in rehab. And um and, and, but I mean that's 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 a sign of those times, but um, the uh, but that's kind of it, you know. Yeah. I, th- I think a, a certain uh, you don't wouldn't get mobbed. I could see Bowie really liking it, you know. People are Germans are yeah. very cool, you know, and um, the scene at the time was it's somewhat decadent, and and, and it it is decadent, yeah. you know. Yeah, it, it can be it can be very decadent there. And, and and that's quite alluring, you know, um, to some people. And so, you know, and it just seemed artistically fertile. Yeah. You know. But in a situation like that, in a situation where there are there's not a lot of external pressure on you to, mm-hmm. to, to constantly create, I mean, you have to. I'm guessing that that's probably a negative for a lot of people, you know. I, not everybody has that drive. It's, but it sounds like you've never really lacked that, that you've always had a drive to yeah. to create. You're yeah, still that, doing. That, that's it. the thing. Yeah, I never, never stop. <laughs> never stop. Yeah. No. Um, no. I mean, I'm still. You know. I mean, I think at that point, everyone was very driven. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. We were there to make the work and to make. You know, there, it was never a question. Like, yeah, we're going to go and we're going to make music and we're going to do it in our way, our own way. You know, and there were so many other people there, you know, other people from London, some American people, a lot of Australians, you know. Mm-hmm. There was a big Australian exile of Australian art, rocky people um, that followed in the wake of the birthday party. Um, and, and yeah, and, you know, that was that was just it. And... and um, like I said, there was funding for stuff to yeah. happen, you know, special events. Like we went to, I went to uh, the German group De Haut that uh, did a lot of work with with Nick. Was at one point um, early on in Nick's when Nick got to Berlin, um, you know, there I went with them to Ukraine. You know, it was all funded by the Goethe Institute, and uh, you know, just their support for things. You know, and, and it just seemed like there were more interesting opportunities. Like I said, film, Vim Vendor's film, you know. When a project ends or, you know, when when, when, when you leave a band, you know, especially as, as you as you get older, um, I mean, has there ever been a point where it just felt like, okay, it's kind of time to, to move on to the next thing? Or is it always clear that you're going to stay mm-hmm. in that world and continue to, to create Usually music? it just fizzes out. <laughs> But, but once that's happened, once you sort of like, out. but once you kind of like look around and it's not there anymore. Oh yeah, then you're stuck with like, what do I do now? Yeah, yeah. But it's always been clear that and, you're going to keep uh, doing. Well, music. yeah, I just I just keep working. You know, yeah. you, I 
I'm kind of lucky. I have a foot foot in the door, yeah. so yeah. I, it's e- easier. It's kind of I can find people to collaborate with. I'm not insufferably horrible. So, <laughs> so people actually will work with me. Um, so being a pleasant person is yeah, part as of it. a plus. Yeah. Yes, um, and <laughs> being able to put up with be thick skinned. Yeah, also, but um, but you know, it just left me with you know there was just one day I thought like, oh I. There's nothing else to collaborate. You yeah. know, I have to make my own thing. And you know, I've always kind of done little projects that were, you know, I said, let you know, let let's do your song, let's do this with the here and there. But um, but you know, it was just living here. I was kind of stuck one day. Actually, I was booking um, a month of Sundays at um, you. I don't know if you know, there was a place called Tonic mm, yeah, that yeah, was an yeah, arts-run yeah. um, space, and they would have people, a uh, different musician or artist, uh, you know, uh, book or curate. I hate that word, curate. They would book... Uh, yeah. It's just the rock and roll band. You would book um, the, a Sunday for four weeks in yeah. a row. So there was one Sunday. It was near Christmas, I remember, and I couldn't get anyone, I was, you know. It was it was easy to get people and the other things and make fun things happen, but um, but but so I thought I guess I have to make a band and do it, <laughs> and then I did it and 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 I've had a band ever since. Yeah, you know I've just said okay, well this is, I guess this is what I'm doing now. This period in tonic when kind of putting a, a group together by necessity was that the beginning of you being the front person it was yes yeah. yeah that was that was the deciding factor <laughs> that nobody else right wanted there. you in their band yes exactly <laughs> i couldn't get a job yeah uh, no so I you know when i was at, now in new york yeah because yeah. after i left europe i moved to la for a yep. bit and i had a group called congo norvell yeah which was um you know um uh, uh we made a few records and had some success and and we had a lot of disappointment in Los Angeles. We actually made an album. We had the, we had the real L.A. music business story where we were banned. We gained popularity. Yeah. We made a record on a small label that was part of a bigger label. Yeah. The bigger label said, we want you to make your next record with us. Yeah. Bigger label. puts us in the studio. does all this, 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 this. You know, it's it's out. It's done. The artwork's done. The photos are done. Uh, it's going to have a release date. The promos are out. It's getting great reviews, and and we have a tour booked of Europe. And then one day, some lawyer comes and says, "We're not releasing this," and no excuse why. Or it just doesn't fit with us anymore. Yeah. And we can we buy it from you? No. Can we do it? No, no, no. This just thing can't exist in the world. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we'd signed a terrible contract and that where they were able to say that. And so, you know, so that was really just soul crushing and disillusioning. And that made me and the singer, we just said, we're moving to New York. And we came here, remade the album, and it was all fine. But, um, so yeah, so we had that, and, and uh, after that split up was when Tonic. So it was probably early nineties. That experience or something similar is the kind of experience that a lot of people have at the beginning of their career. It's probably good that it happened later, a while later, <laughs> that you had had some success, you know? Yeah, because 
I, I, and I, I don't know how anybody you might, does this. You might never do it again. I don't know how people come back from I that. almost didn't. I yeah. Mean, it was really a terrible yeah. thing. It's like, someone, it's like someone stealing your child yeah. from you, you know. It really is like, you know, it sounds a bit dramatic, but it actually feels yeah. like that. You know, was uh, was moving across the country? Was that part of kind of exercising all of that? It was exercising and just like we just, I just felt like you know, I had just been in Europe and had all this great yeah. stuff and all this artistic freedom and I knew L.A. was a big industry town and that it really does go into everything, 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 down to the lowest hmm. underground level. Maybe not the lowest underground level, but yeah. you know, if you start to be popular. Suddenly, there's dogs sniffing around your butt. So, um, you know, and so, so it was that. And, you know, it's like, you know, you want to be successful. You want to make money. You know, you want the best for your band. You want the word to be out. So, you know, and it was a gamble where, like, yes, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Um, and, uh, and it all blew up in our face. Yeah. So we went back to our... DIY small way and um, you know rebuilt everything again. When you look back on on everything you've done, I mean, are you are you are you happy with your level of 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 notoriety of success, or do you oh, feel yeah. like you are? Oh yeah. Okay. I always re- <laughs> I remember you know doing a Ramones fanzine. So yeah. It's you know yeah. I, that's very clear in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I know that I'm a kid from the suburbs somewhere. Yeah. I I came from that. I didn't I didn't grow up to be a star. You know, I you know, I wanted to be yeah. and and I attained it to some point. But um I I never uh I don't buy the hogwash that goes with it. So so to me just being able to make the music yeah to make the next bit of music is What's good, and you know, luckily for me, there is an audience, and there's people, and actually, right now, with the last record we did, it was the most successful thing I've done in years and yeah. years and years and years. We've been around the world. I just all of last year we were on tour, you know, and you know, Europe, Australia, all over the United States, um, you know, and offered to go to Japan. You know, it's it. So to me. It's all, if I could make music, it's success. Yeah. You know, and if people, you know, some stuff is more popular than other stuff. And like the solo, the, you know, the Pink Monkey Birds band, that the Kid Congo and the Pink Monkey Birds band, that's taken a long time for things to happen. It took me a long time to even get to the first album mm. we made. And, um, you know, I had to try on lots of different hats and, you know, and that's, that's the other thing. And now I finally, you know, I think after about this second album, people stopped saying like, well, you don't sound like Nick Cave. Yeah. And you don't sound like yeah. Jeffrey Lee Pierce. And you don't sound like yeah. blah, blah, blah. You know, you just have to keep doing it until people stop saying that. And they just go like, oh. It's Kid Congo. Hey, it's yeah. so funny that it's so funny that in a way that kind of never goes away. That that even like at that point, no, it will never career, go away. And yeah. I, I, I mean, when I was first breaking away from that whole yeah. thing and starting my own thing, it actually bothered me. Yeah, and I really you know wanted to you know don't bring up my past. Well, well, that's what I mean though is what never what never goes away is that that, that sort of almost like Comparison. this existential well the, well the existential crisis of like what do I sound like you know yeah, what yeah. you know that you came 
out of working with such well defined I, I don't you know and I don't want to suggest that they like came into the world fully formed yeah but I always get the feeling that you know that They're the cramps formed. yeah <laughs> that, exactly that the cramps like really just started with a very specific idea yeah and that you know and that you've after working with all these bands you're finally out on your own and you're still kind of struggling to figure out like who what what defines you yeah as an it artist. took a while you know and then uh, it was actually um, the last cramps tour they did maybe 2006 or something. I saw them here at the yeah. Limelight. Um, and uh, I hadn't seen them maybe 12 years, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and um, and they invited me to come see them. Cause they were, and, 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 and I went to see them, and I was just like, oh, my God, this is so incredible <laughs> like it was like the first time i saw them yeah. like my jaw dropped to the floor yeah. and i was like what is it that's happening yeah. it's making this make me think why do i feel like i'm in on venus and in heaven and yeah. and you know everywhere else at the same time you know and 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 um and i they just dawned on me i'm like oh it's just them it's cuz it's them <laughs> yeah they're just them and it was a, a stupid realization but i thought like oh and i'm part of this and i can tap into yeah. this myself you know it doesn't have to be with them you know it's yeah it's that and then i had a whole like boom different attitude and this records that's when i started making records within the red and just from the last the yeah the last three albums were have been like that it just was like hmm. Okay, I'm gonna just forget about thinking of who I am yeah. and just be whatever it is that I am, you know. And that's it's stupid to realize that when you're 40 years old, yeah. Or you don't feel it's not. And actually, it's a great thing, but uh, but you kind of say like, why why didn't I think of that before? Or, or someone else says that like, oh, you I could have told you that when you were 25. Yeah. yeah. But you can't tell someone that when they're 25, you know. And when you're, you know, it was just learning all this stuff and um so these epiphany it's kind of a weird epiphany you know <laughs> yeah but i'm glad it came later in life because you yeah. know it's it's like you know it's it's made a whole new lease on life that might be that might be me. the the that might be the moment where the the imposter syndrome really kind of falls away that's right? where it really fell away yeah 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 they're like, I belong, that, yeah. you know, that I'm not pretending. That... And it was something also someone else, a few people have said, people say wise things, friends, other, my peers. Yeah. But um, Jim Thurwell, who does the fetus, and he does a lot of um, soundtrack work, and he's, he's really great. Um, and he, um, we were watching uh, one of Neubauten, who was no longer in Neubauten, Mufti, who was one of the, first people he had this spring the coil that he mic'd up and electrified and did this thing we were watching him play at this festival in france and and he's like wow you know uh he's really staked his claim with that with that that coil yeah (laughs) you know and then i thought that spring and i i was like oh that's what he's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and for me, it's like, oh, you just have to stake your claim. But it takes a little, something extra when 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 you think about somebody like the Cramps, who like really, you know, were were the Cramps for that long to 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 be able to have, be doing it for thirty years and not seem silly doing it. Like yeah. that takes a whole different something else. That is something else, and that's like I said, it was just naturally that. Yeah, 
and 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 that was the difference between bands who play music like the Cramps, and you see them, and um, are very theatrical, or have lost the cost, or just whatever, you know, or anything. And then you think of all the things that you love, and you think, oh, it's just them being, yeah, you know, natural, yeah, you know. And it seems like it's some weird, outrageous thing that they're doing, but really, it's just them doing what they love and them being, you know, yeah. you know. That the reason why they're still doing it is because maybe they yeah. couldn't do anything else, you know? And that's, that's it. That's yeah. it. You can't do anything else. Yeah. What am I going to do? Yeah. So you're just going to keep... start a podcast. <laughs> start a podcast. People would listen. You're just going to... And you're just going to kind of keep doing that for as long as you can? Yeah. Still standing on yeah. two feet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, all your I, fingers. I, I kind of don't know what else to do. Yeah. I always think I want to try to figure out what else to do, but yeah. there really is nothing else to do. I mean, all the great people do it to the end. Leonard Cohen, you know, David Bowie, yeah. you know, not that I'm comparing myself to them, but as examples, they, st- they are still my examples. Yeah, like, of course. Just do it. Yeah. To your last breath. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, you know, that is... What more inspiration do you need? There you go. That was Kid Congo Powers. Thank you so much to him for taking the time to do that. What a what an absolutely amazing career! It was a real honor to speak to him. I, I can't. You'd be hard pressed to find a, a, a more impressive resume in, in punk rock than, than he's had. From the Gun Club to cramps to Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds um, all the stuff he's done on the side he's had an amazing solo career since then as well you can check out his latest record on In the Red La Reina Es La Vida highly recommend pretty much everything he's done and um, highly recommend sitting down and t- talking to him for an hour and a half if you ever get the opportunity to do that um, thanks again to him for, for doing that thanks to Joe for setting that up Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening to the program. If you like the show, please consider supporting us over on our Patreon. Uh, it actually, uh, we're losing money to do this at this point. We're not running ads on the show anymore. Um, you know, we're paying hosting fees. So if you want to send a, a couple of bucks our way, that would be greatly appreciated. If not, completely understand, uh, you can support us in many other ways. Tell your friends if you like the program. Uh, rate us over on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Like us on Facebook. Just that's uh, all we ask is the the bare minimum social media interaction. Uh, if you've you follow us on uh, Tumblr, that is the first and best place to get all of your R I Y L related information. That's where the show goes up even before it goes on iTunes. Uh, if you've got any feedback, it's rylcast at gmail.com. I think that's about all I got for this week. So thanks to you guys for listening and stick around because we will be back just about this time next week with another episode of R.I.Y.L.